Paging Dr. Randy. Paging Dr. Randy. I just got on call and they're paging me already. They want me to do work as soon as I get to work. Come on, let's go. Yes, you, come on. Well, I'm Dr. Randy, nice to meet you. I'm a licensed family medicine physician. Since you're on call with me today, I want to make sure you learn as much as possible. Me and a few of my special friends are here to give you all the tips and info you need to live a balanced, healthy life. Are you ready to be on call with me? I hope so. So let's get it going. Our shift starts right now. Welcome back, healthy people, to On Call with Dr. Randy, your source of health information every Wednesday, sponsored by Heinz Entertainment Group. This is our post-Christmas episode. I hope that you receive everything that you wanted for Christmas. As we proceed to transition into the new year, it's time that you, yes you, start getting your health in order. And what that includes is getting your annual physical done if you didn't do so last year. Today I have on Dr. Barry Pierre, an internal medicine physician and podcaster to discuss male physicals. We will discuss what is involved in a physical for males, labs that are typically ordered, and the importance of having a physical done every year. You will definitely learn a lot in this episode, so make sure you pay attention and take some good notes. So let's go on call with internists and hosts of the podcast, Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry Pierre. All right, so welcome back, healthy people, to On Call with Dr. Randy. Today we have Dr. Barry Pierre, aka media mogul, podcaster, internal medicine physician, jack of all trades. Am I missing anything? You know, we we, we getting it all. We, uh, the check is in the mail. I appreciate it. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Welcome to the podcast. I'm glad to have you on. So I wanted to have Dr. Barry on to basically talk about the annual wellness visits specific for males. Um, if you're a woman, you definitely can listen to this episode because a lot of women have a great influence on men health and coming in with their husband, <laughs> with their boyfriend with their other family member coming and talk. So I definitely want y'all to listen to them so, to this so you can put a bug in their ear. But before we get started, Dr. Berry, what made you want to become a physician? So I think it started when I was in elementary school and I know I'm dating myself right now. I used to watch Doogie Howser, who was this young kid, smart, and he was just a, a doctor running around in a hospital. And the whole time I used to look at him like, wow, you know what? That could be me. Like, I could see myself. And of course, I think he, I forget the premise, but I think he might have like graduated high school or he was, he was just young as, as a physician. And I just used to picture myself like, oh, I'm going to be the Doogie Hauser like of my family, especially because no one in my family at the time, even now, uh, was in medicine. That's what's up. I can't wait till they bring Doogie Hauser back. You know, they're going to bring him back eventually. Everything's coming back full circle. I've, I've been waiting on it. I, t- I tell people every time I mention that story, I say, I, like, I know y'all don't even watch Doogie. I know y'all, I'm about to date myself. I, I'm about to talk about Doogie Hauser, And then, like, people get to Google and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, at least for me, that was my first kind of introduction to, like, medicine and just kind of seeing it. And more importantly, being able to see myself in, in that field. Yeah, wait till they bring him back and they make him black. Ooh, they gonna have a problem with that. Ooh. But I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely gonna watch. I'm here for it. I'm here oh, for man. it. Let's go. 
<laughs> so what made you want to become a specifically an internal medicine physician? So when I grew up, when once Doogie Hauser kind of turned the corner and said, you know what, I'm going to be a doctor. Like my initial experience was with a local community physician. I'm Haitian. So as Haitian in our community, all of us went to the same doctor, Dr. Gaston Pierre. And I'm sorry, Dr. Pierre Gaston. And Dr. Gaston, I felt was like this magician because you can go to his office, you can rattle off a whole bunch of complaints, and somehow, some way, he knew exactly what to do, exactly what to give you to make you feel better. And I said, again, like, so now Dookie Hauser, he's out of there, right? Now it's all about Dr. Gaston. How can I be the Dr. Gaston of my family, of my community? So I knew pretty much then, I like, all right, I'm going to like probably go baseline do primary care because I wanted my own office. I wanted people to come see me. I wanted to, you know, be the person who takes care of them when they're young all the way to they're old. And then I got to medical school and, you know, by that time it's either family medicine, pediatrics or internal medicine. So let me show you how I eliminated family medicine. And regarding, first of all, again, no, there's no slight here, but for the women, the women kept kicking me out of the room. So I did OB kicking me out of the room. Do it every, they just kept kicking me out of the room. And I said, you know what? If the women don't want me practicing women's health, guess what? I ain't doing nothing about women's health. So that already eliminated family medicine right off the get-go. So now we left with pediatrics or internal medicine. And Lord, when I did that pediatric rotation, it was the sickest I ever got. Like, I didn't even know I could develop bronchitis until going into my pediatric rotation. And after that, and then I'm dealing with the, the type of parents, and I, I know because I'm married to that type of parent, like dealing with the type of parents that pediatricians have to deal with, I said, uh-uh, no, 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 give me the adults, right? And that's, and right from there, it was internal medicine the whole way. <laughs> so the women were kicking you out the room, and you didn't want to deal with the babies the who couldn't tell you what was wrong with I couldn't them. Do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, I, I need you to be able to speak. And then, in fact, the babies I probably could have dealt with, but those parents, nah. I said, uh-uh, I'm not doing it. Like, no, I'm, I'm not dealing with that strife. I can, like, y'all can have that. Give me give me the older. Give me 18 and above, and let's keep it moving. Oh, yeah, that's kind of how my practice is. Even though I'm family medicine, I only see 18 and older. Like, I don't miss the kids. I, I love the kids. But it's, it's a different kind of beast when you're taking care of kids and, like you mentioned, kind of dealing with parents. So, that's other people's calling. I don't know if the Lord wants me to go back to that. Pray for me. Pray for me. Again, I, and I commend, I, I tell people all the time, the family physicians are like the smartest physicians because like not only again, I'm, I'm focused on trying to learn nothing about all, everything about adults and they have to learn everything about adults and everything about the kids. I said, uh, uh-uh, nope. <laughs> it was, it, I just kept getting more and more reasons where like that ain't the direction I'm going. And then, yeah, like I said, the women's health, they they took they said nah. They said, uh, is it is it, is it, is it okay if he I'm like, all right. I said I already knew what it was. Let me get up out of here. All right. So one of the most important things that we want men to get is their annual wellness visit or their yearly physical Indeed. when they come in. No matter what age they are, we want to make sure that their health is good overall. So how do you personally define to your patients what an annual wellness visit is or a physical? So one thing I tell them right off the bat, I say, you know what, this exam, if I can only choose you to go see the doctor one time, 
this is the exam I need you to go see. I kind of use it as the most important exam of the year. And we have some people who only see a doctor once a year. And it may be just for their annual exam because they're quote unquote healthy every other year. Cool. But like it's those ones who miss that annual exam because it's such a foundational exam. And by foundational, meaning that it's the one where if you have high blood pressure, that's where I'm going to catch it. If you have diabetes, that's where I'm going to catch it. If you're depressed, this is where I'm going to catch it. If you have obesity, this is where I'm going to catch it. If there's some cancer-related issues amongst your family, guess what exam? What Guess what visit? I'm going to likely catch it, the annual exam. So it's like the Super Bowl, right, for the outpatient doctor and for the patient. I say, this is our Super Bowl. Like, we want you there. One, we, we one they give us a little bit more money, right, to do that annual exam. And we love the money. Right. And more mm-hmm. importantly, because they they give us more money, they give us more time. So now you're not even necessarily feeling like you're rushed to get out the building. Right. Because like instead of my maybe 15 minutes, now I may have 25, 30 minutes to spend on this exam. Why? Because I got a list of questions that I got to get through to make sure I answer them all before you leave. So that's how I always try to like really kind of expound to my patients. Hey, this is our Super Bowl here. Like this is the one event you cannot miss for the year. Why do you think some people are afraid to go to the Super Bowl? Okay, that's a very good question. I think a lot of times we, especially for the men, I'll talk to, we're talking to the men today. A lot of times it's that fear of knowing. For men, they are okay being ignorant in that, oh, I'm good. I'm healthy. I don't have no symptoms. I don't feel bad. Like, what what do I need to go see a doctor for? And because they're okay wallowing in that level of ignorance, right, they don't want to come to see someone like us. And then all of a sudden we say, hey, you know what? Like, yeah, I know you may feel good, but your blood pressure is kind of up. Oh, I know you may feel good, but, you know, your, your, your kidney numbers ain't looking the best. Hey, I know you feel good, but you know what? The way you're kind of speaking, I, I think you may be depressed. Just that knowledge of knowing is something that they fear so much that they'd rather have nothing to do with it. All right. That's definitely true. And it's very important as far as coming in to get these physicals. Like you mentioned, a lot of asymptomatic conditions can arise Mm -hmm. that you may look good and you may feel good. But when we do your lab work or we do your vitals, that stuff comes back abnormal. Does that happen a lot in your practice and seeing things, uh, patients coming in asymptomatic, but their labs or vitals looking abnormal? Oh, that's, that's absolutely the worst. And when, when I tell people like, hey, you know what? Like I'm getting some of these numbers back and they're not looking good. They always have that shock look because especially especially with medicine, especially with the way the body works, our body, and I say this all the time, our bodies can deal with so much until it can't. So yes, you can have high blood pressure, but your body may be able to deal with a blood pressure of 150, 160, 170 for that top number or systolic number. And you not notice any difference. It may be able to deal with that bottom number being over 80, 90, 100, and you not notice a difference because our body will say, you know what? I'm going to deal with this pressure. I'm going to deal with this pressure until I can't. But the problem is when that body says, I can't no more, guess what happens? Heart attack. When that body says, I can't no more, guess what happens? Stroke. When your body says, I can't no more, guess what happens? Now you have kidney disease. And like so often a patient, especially my guys, will come to the office you know, they have no medical issues. And anytime someone tells me they have no medical issues, I say, what my immediate question is, when was the last time you saw a doctor? 
because is it that you have no medical issues or you've been ducking from us and you did, you've been hiding from the answers of it? So like very often that they'll come get their vitals and all of a sudden they are leaving. They're coming with zero medications. And then all of a sudden I got like, hey, I got like three medications. I'm probably going to need you to take. I, I need you to take this blood pressure. I need you to take this cholesterol. I need you to take this diabetes. I need you to take like all this. And, and it against that shock, like, hold on, like I was healthy and then, you know how they do, they blame us. Oh, I was healthy until I went to go see Dr. Barry. <laughs> like, before I saw Dr. Barry, I was healthy. Like, I didn't have blood pressure issues. I didn't have diabetes issues. I didn't have cholesterol issues. But now that I went to go see Dr. Barry, all of a sudden I got all these problems. My car didn't make any noise until I brought it to see you. I wasn't leaking oil until I came to see you. Our job is to catch it before you start leaking oil, before your car starts making the noise yeah. and a sound. Yeah. And, so and that's what's so tough. Like, very often. And that's probably one of the toughest things where, like, I know, man, if I could have just caught you five years prior, right? Three years prior. And I could have just gave you maybe one medication that's probably free or like a couple bucks at a local pharmacy. I wouldn't be talking about, hey, you know what? Your kidneys are not doing good, right? You know what? Your heart is like, like, I just know. And that's why we talk about this Super Bowl aspect, because we know if we catch it earlier, the downwind like tragedies that we see on a time to time basis can be avoided. But the problem is because they be avoiding the Super Bowl, they eventually have to come see us. Yeah. So if you make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, we won't have to prescribe certain medications. We can try our best to try to treat stuff with lifestyle modification, eating right, exercising, coaching you on those type of things. So what age do you suggest that men start having their physical? Should they wait till they 25? Should they wait till they 40? Should they just start when they're 18? I'm 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 all for earlier the better. And the reason why, like so once you once you turn 18. Like go and get see go ahead and see that doctor. Like stop playing games. And the reason why is because that one they feel that if they go to see the annual visits, all of a sudden they gotta come see me every single month. No, that's not the case. If you're 18 years old, you're healthy, and after we do what we do, we see yes, you're healthy. Guess what? You don't have to see me till next year. Like I'm not gonna see you in three months. I'm not gonna see you in six months. I'm not gonna make you come see me just to like look at my face. Nah. Like I wanna make sure, like, oh, you know what? Come check with me next year. You know, come check with me next year. And that's what, that's what those are the appointments we love. We love to be able to say, hey, I'm going to see you next year. Right. Everything looks amazing. You look good. Keep doing what you're doing. I'll see you next year. So that's why I want to get in early, because we already know you, that 18 year old who may not see us until they turn 25. That's seven years. That could be seven years too late. Because guess what? They got a family history of high blood pressure. Guess what? They got a family history of diabetes. They got a family history of cholesterol. So now that's seven years of that diabetes history, that cholesterol history, that blood pressure history, beating up uh, your, your entire system. But because you're young, you don't even feel it until you walk in to see us. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, it's like doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. So let's do a little role play situation. So I'm coming in to see you for my annual wellness visit for my physical. I'm 35 plus or minus two years. I want to tell people what what my age is. I look good for my age. 
yes. So I come in <laughs> to see you for my annual wellness visit. We, we've already established care. So what are some of the kind of initial questions that you would ask me during the visit? So I think first and foremost, I'm gonna say, if you're 35, I'm gonna say, all right, when's the last time you came to see one of us, right? Because I, I just that way I can kind of get a barometer of like, okay, like is this a 35 year old who's been keeping up with his health, or is this a 35 year old who's been maybe avoiding us for the past five years? So that gives me a picture of a line of questions. So let's say you know what, yes, like he saw the doctor when he was 34, but he moved and now he's just kind of establishing care with a new doctor. I'm I'm loving to see it. One thing I like to do, especially for my 35-year-olds, is I want to know how are they feeling just in general, right? We know a lot, especially with our annual visits, um, not only are we just asking about your day-to-day, we're asking about the level of stress that you're dealing with because we know stress plays a factor in a lot of the medical issues that we're probably going to be discussing later. By the time I come to see them, by the time I've kind of evaluated just how they are just as from a mental standpoint, now I'm getting down to the nitty gritty because at 35 years old, there could be some tests or there could be some things I need to order based on certain criteria that they fit. And, and this is why, and for especially for the black community, I always stress, like, make sure you're talking to your family members about your health in general. Like, we need to know, was grandma sick? We need to know, was grandpa sick? What about the aunts and uncles? We need to know if anybody was afflicted with any medical issues. Because we know that if anyone's afflicted with medical issues, guess what? A lot of our screenings and things like that that we typically do during your Super Bowl of the visit, that time shift may move over. So let's say you have an uncle who was diagnosed with colon cancer when he was 42, Guess what? We not wait until 42 for us to be talking about, hey, you might need a colonoscopy. Hey, let's say you have, you know, an aunt who had uh, lung cancer. Guess what? We're not going to wait till 40, 50 years old to be talking about lung cancer screening. So family history is a big thing for us because we want to know if I need to move the goalposts from a scheduling standpoint as far as some of our preventative disease, because the annual visit is about prevention. It is about wellness. It's about protecting you to make sure down the line you are doing amazingly well. Now that we got my family history all in good, now I'm just kind of asking the questions. I know by the time I know if your blood pressure is good or bad. I know if your, if your heart rate's good. I know what your heart, what your, what your oxygen is like. So I know some of you are just generic vitals. Um, and now it's just all about kind of the physical exam. And I always say, especially when I talk to medical students and residents, the physical exam is what we do when we want to start confirming stuff, right? So I just want to look, all right, is this person underweight? Is the person overweight, right? Is there any more, you know, uh, you know, abnormalities, especially from a skin-related standpoint that I need to address or look over, maybe refer out to our dermatology friends, right? So like, I'm just looking at you from the top down. I got glasses. Do you need glasses, Right. All of these and a lot of us will try to avoid we'll be we'll be squinting for days uh, and not realizing that if you just threw on a pair of glasses, your life will be so much better. So I'm just kind of going from the top all the way down to the feet. Right. I want to know how your feet feel. I want to know if you step on something, do you feel it? Because there's so many different things just from a physical exam standpoint that I can be able to say, you know what, this might be a concern of mine before we even order any lab tests any imaging, because I think that's what gets construed, especially during the annual exams, is they think we're only here to order tests. 
No, we're here to get to know the person in front of us. We're here to ask all of these hard-hitting questions about not only your personal medical history, but your family's medical history, right? About your, your spouse's medical history, right? Everyone around you, because we want to make sure we kind of encompass the whole visit to make sure we're taking care of you. And then when it's said and done, all right, now that I got some of my answers, now I know some of the blood tests I, I need to order. We can go you know, specifically on blood tests if you want. Okay. All right. That's a lot of good information right there. So always know your family history specifically. This is a preventive health care visit as well. So it's one of those visits where let's just say you haven't seen one of us in a long time period as far as a physician. We are trying to get through so much with your screening exams and ask you certain questions we might ha not have the mm -hmm. allotted time to deal with those other issues that you may want to talk about. For example, if you're coming in for a physical, oh, my shoulder's been bothering me since I was six. Um, like I got back pain and I got erectile dysfunction. Like, and you're trying to talk mm -hmm. to us about all of that in a physical exam. We have so much stuff that we got to do outside of trying to handle those issues. Mm-hmm. And mind you, some some of our you know history taking, we may delve into that sexual history because we we know erectile dysfunction is a vascular issue, like mm -hmm. or hormonal, right? Like we know it's, it's not just like all right, I can't get it up because no, it's you may have an underlying issue we need to get to, and your body is saying, hey, I don't know how to tell you about this underlying issue, so I'm gonna make it so that you have erectile dysfunction. And but again, as a patient, you're not going to know that. But guess who knows that? Right. Your primary care doctor, the one who is waiting for you to come to the Super Bowl visit. Right. To get all of these questions answered. Right. And so I always like to take a little peek behind the curtain to inform patients on certain things. If I don't know how it is for your health system, but if you start talking to us about things that are outside of the preventive health care realm of questions, like I mentioned, the back pain, shoulder pain, other things that may be going on, your doctor or your insurance company, you might get charged for those things because that's not mm. part of the whole annual wellness overall physical. So you may have to come back for certain things that you want to talk about. So don't think that your physician is just trying to brush you off, but sometimes they may have enough time to have that conversation with you. But don't be surprised if you may get a bill in the mail the way that I like to approach it is like, hey, I hear all your concerns. Let's bring you back for another visit so I can have more time to address those issues. And so you may not get a bill in the mail as well, because if we're talking about all of this, there's a potential of you having to pay out of pocket for some of this stuff. Dr. Rainey, I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of times the, the patient doesn't really understand, like, you know, all of the mechanics that go on our side, right? When we're trying to just delve in and trying to get to the root issues. And you said it best because once we start listing, like, all right, like, do I have to deal with this erectile dysfunction? Do I have to deal with this pain? And, and you know, we, we could make this a medical billing uh, show uh, episode, but like <laughs> that insurance company's like, oh, no, now if, if you're doing all of that, this ain't. This ain't that annual visit that we typically pay for. This is this visit. And go send that person uh, to get that money for that copay. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Like When you go to that Super Bowl visit, remember, it's a preventative, holistic visit. We're trying to get, grab 
everything, right? So if you have actual acute issues, leave that for the follow-up. Correct. So another thing that we also address in annual wellness visits is immunizations. So there's different categories as far as who needs immunizations based upon certain ages Mm -hmm. and certain conditions. How do you handle that conversation with immunizations with your patients? So fortunately, because I, you know, I, that one of the reasons why I love dealing with adults, because is there's there's not that many music like the kids, huh? That like I'm I'm getting like deja vu of looking at that schedule that goes from like zero to like six years old with all of the immunizations that they got. Typically for adults, a lot of it is associated with comorbidities that they may have. And comorbidities are just other disease processes that may make their system from an immune standpoint not as strong as someone who doesn't have those type of disease processes. Probably the biggest disease that we talk about associated with comorbidities is diabetes. We know that if you are a diabetic patient, guess what? All of a sudden, you may not fight infections the way a person who's not diabetic fights infections. So we hark on those patients like, hey, especially uh, most of them will be of age, especially at 18 above, like, hey, that annual flu shot, guess guess, guess what time it is, right? Like it's time to get uh, that annual flu shot. That's a big one for us. Now, if we go and towards the later end of our spectrum, especially for our elderly patients, this is when we're starting to talk about uh, pneumococcal vaccines, right? Uh, the, the pneumonia vaccines. We're talking about the shingles vaccines. There's a couple of those. Those are the two big heavy hitters, uh, especially for our elderly patients, because it's such a. Again, remember this is the preventative uh, exam, right? So this is the one where we're saying, hey, you know what? Your risk of getting pneumonia is kind of high. Boom! I think you should get this. Guess what? Your risk of getting the flu. Elevated, you're older, go ahead and get this. Shingles, Keep shingles is a problem. Exam. We're trying to prevent these things from happening. So that's mm-hmm. why we're encouraging these vaccines. And, and I, I like you stress earlier because a lot of times when people um, talk about physicians, they always make it seem like we're just like these pharmacy pushers and medication pushers. No, a lot of our exams, especially the annual visits, is all about the lifestyle. Like what kind of lifestyle things we can do? What kind of lifestyle things can you incorporate um, to make it so that you're healthier, right? We don't, first of all, none of us, like stop that craziness. None of us is getting paid to prescribing blood pressure medications, right? None of us is really getting paid to prescribing diabetes medication. It, 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 don't, it don't benefit us financially for me to give you medication, Where it benefits me is that if I give you this medication and now in five years, I don't have to worry about you going on dialysis. That's where I get the benefit. That's where I get the ah, that's where I get the sigh of relief. Not that, oh, somebody's going to cut me a check. But it's so I think what happens gets lost is that people think that during this visit like this, we're not also expounding upon lifestyle measurements that you can do, uh, lifestyle interventions that you can do to make sure that you're just overall uh, you know, you're living a better quality life. How do you handle those conversations when someone tells you, oh, I don't do the flu vaccine or I don't do this type of vaccine? Like, how do you kind of address that? So when I always want, I try to get, because a lot of times when they say that there's an underlying reason. So I need you to tell me what the underlying reason is, right? Especially when I take care of a lot of patients, um, especially when I do outpatient medicine uh, within the black community, right? So I know there's a lot of medical distrust associated with vaccines in general. 
So one, I try to figure out, all right, please tell me what is the reason why? Like, don't, don't just tell me that you don't do it. There's got to be an exact reason why you don't do it. And one, I, I try to acknowledge it. I try to say, especially if there's an aspect of distrust or I heard something, I, I talk about this a lot on my social media platforms, this aspect of misinformation and disinformation. I'm trying to tease out, all right, what is the reason why you're on this path where you, quote unquote, don't do vaccines? And once I try to get to that, now I'm able to kind of hopefully come to a better middle ground. Like, oh, you know what? They just trust the system. You know what? I 100% understand. I remember Henrietta Lacks. I remember Tuskegee. I remember all of these atrocities. Even right now, we're dealing with uh, maternal fetal health, especially in black women. Like, I remember all of these things. I'm a part of all of these things. And the reason why I, be, I went into this field is so that now we have a foot soldier on the other side. Because when those things were happening, we didn't have any foot soldiers that looked like us ready to defend us. So they were allowed to do those types of things. But now that a person like me is on this side, I'm not going to let them do what you think that they'll do like Tuskegee. I'm not going to let them do what you think they'll do like Henry Adelax. That's not going to fly here. And so I try to like meet them on a common ground and say, yes, I understand like your concerns. I understand, you know, why you may have some trepidations. Uh, but let me tell you why, like, I am confident that I'm going to help overcome them because like, and that, that one that makes it so that it's not like a me versus them thing, mm-hmm. which sometimes they feel like, like, oh, they're just going to attack me if I say I don't want it. No, I, just tell me the reason why. Let's try to get to the better ground. Now, if it's for some BS, you know, misinformation, disinformation, I'm going to get that out of the way pretty quickly, right? Like, no, we're, you know, we're not going to become radioactive. You know, we're not going to become like walking 5G towers. That ain't going to happen, right? Like, like the, trying to get the chip into in like me. some actual facts. Yeah, like the chip. Oh, oh my God, that's annoying. But yeah, I, I, try to, I just try to meet them on the middle ground and try to get an understanding of why they quote unquote don't do it and, and really say, hey, you know what, if... If I would not be here, if I didn't, and I would not be recommending it if I didn't feel it was safe. Yeah, I totally agree. It's a two-way street. I always like to ask them, kind of like you, what is your disdain for getting the vaccine? Or has something happened to you in the past with a family member mm-hmm. just kind of getting information? But then also explaining to them the reasoning why I encourage the vaccine. Well, you're a diabetic or you have asthma, you're at increased risk of getting pneumonia because of that. And I recommend this pneumonia vaccine for you and you wouldn't have to get it again until you're 65. So it's just one dose early. My job is to keep you alive and healthy, but I also give them the uh, autonomy, the power to decline, making them not feel like I'm trying to force it on them. I give them the information. You do with it as you please. And if you say no, I just click no on the chart and we keep it moving because I, I don't have time to sit there and harp on everything. You you have that power. Now, if you come back sick, be like, mm, I told you. I told I'm going to remind you. I'm going to remind you. I'm going to. Mm-hmm. I'm the type. Hey, kind of, you know, we talked about this, you know, we're here. Yeah. I'm going to take care. I'm going to take care of either way. But, this, you know, this, this was the risk. And, and that's mm-hmm. the thing, too. Understanding that, yes, you have your choice. And your choice is going to come with a risk on on the opposite side as well. Right. So another thing that we always discuss at annual wellness visits is your diet and exercising. So how do you handle those conversations about diet and exercise during a physical? 
So I think the big thing is when, because a lot of times, especially from a diet perspective, we just kind of go through the motion, especially from an adult standpoint. Um, a, a lot of us, if we kept actually like a food diary, uh, we're, for a month, we're eating pretty much the same stuff over and over and over again. But because we do it in such a robotic way, we don't necessarily recognize it. So one, I like to have them say, hey, all right, what are you eating? Like on, on a week to week basis, what are the, what are your go to meals? You know, what what are, what are your vices? What are things like you got to have? Um, I'm Haitian. So like if imagine if I told a Haitian person, hey, you can't have rice. That's a, that appointment is done. They're not listening to me. They're turning their ears off because there's no way I can say you can't have the staple uh, part of your meal that you eat probably five days out of the week. It, it they just gonna report you to the way. board of medicine so if you tell them that you can't eat rice. Yes. They're gonna report you. They'll get me. They're, I'm out of there. They're like get out of here. Like no, nah, we ain't hearing none of that. So understanding, like trying to figure out, especially from a culture standpoint, all right, what are some things that you have to eat? What are some things that you know you eat on a consistent basis? And then more importantly, especially from the physical activity standpoint, what type of physical activity, um, you know, things you partake in, if you're doing any, how often are you doing it? Just really trying to get a guise, because just like the annual visit, it's all about foundation. Trying to establish, all right, what is the foundational pieces of their diet? What are the foundational pieces of their exercise? And where are some ways where we can kind of help kind of boost one or decrease uh, uh, the other to, for the benefit of your health. Right. So I, I ask my patients kind of the same thing, like, what are you putting into your body on a daily basis? And sometimes they'd be like, what do you mean? And I just keep it simple. Like, are you eating healthy or are you eating sloppy? Like, okay. Are you cooking? <laughs> are you cooking mostly at home? Are you eating a lot of fried food, fast food, because I'm detail oriented in my notes when I put those things in, because when you come back mm. to see me, I'm going to ask you, like, are you still going to Chick-fil-A almost every day and getting fried, like the fried chicken sandwich? Or if you're doing the healthy tip, are you still eating a plant-based meal? Are you still doing vegan, doing a whole bunch of seafood? Because I want to keep encouraging you to do those things. Same thing with exercising. Are you exercising the same amount, like three to four times a week? Okay, you come back next year, now you're down to one to two. What happened? Well, I had a child and I'm busy. Like, okay, all right, that's understandable that you've had that just decrease and trying to encourage them. Like, okay, maybe you can get back to three instead of four times a week, just trying to give them some positive motivation. And that's that's what it is, especially we because we have to go go into this meeting, right? This visit that we're we're not trying to judge, we're not trying to be accusatory. We're just trying to get as much information and more importantly establish that patient doctor relationship uh, as we can. And we can't do that if you're holding back. We can't do that if you're not telling me the full truth or just flat out telling me lies. It, it just doesn't work that way. And and for me to get to that next level. So in six months or a year when I see you say, Hey, yeah, man, last time you said he was eating all that chicken sandwiches, you still doing that. Like for us to get to that point, like that's the type of rapport, but that's the type of level of trust that I have uh, to not only instill in my patients, but then they have to get back to me that, you know what? I trust this doctor in front of me that they have my health uh, in their best interest. So let me just be honest with them. Let me stop playing with them. Let me not hold back. Mm-hmm. 
Because I always ask them when they say they eating chicken wings, I say, you eating chicken wings or chicken wings? And they just put their head down, I'm eating chicken wings. <laughs> like, see, we got to get you off the wings, bro. And then that helps, that b- builds that trust and rapport. So you kind of mentioned mm-hmm. earlier about assessing for mental health, anxiety, and depression. So how do you approach that as well um, during an annual wellness visit? So it's obviously, especially for the men, it's very tough because from a societal standpoint, we've kind of been taught to be hardened. We've kind of been taught to be like, you know, from an exterior standpoint, everything is absolutely amazing. So even delving into those types of questions, you can sometimes and a lot of times run into that brick wall of like, oh, no, everything good. I'm straight. Like, no, I got no problems here. And it's really up to the physician to really try to, you know, crack any like, you know, walls that are there, break down any type of roadblocks that may be in the way to make sure that like, no, for real, like, are you okay? Like you, you ain't been working for the past six months. That can't be good, right? Like we, we need to be able to know that because what we carry, especially for men, we'll walk around carrying levels of stress. We'll walk around carrying levels of depression. We'll walk around carrying levels of anxiety and act like there's nothing wrong with us. But then the problem is when we finally let it out, we don't typically let it out in appropriate ways, right? We lash out, right? We get angry. We may fight. We may close off. We just do things that aren't functional for our health. So it's, I think it's extremely important, especially when you get to that section and say, hey, you know, I'm just, I just want to ask about you. I just want to talk about you. How are you feeling? How are you dealing with, you know, pandemic and stress and everything else? Uh, because because if we don't, right, if we let them kind of shrug off, say that everything is cool, right, then there could be those emotions that we may not get uh, to see during our office visit, but maybe a spouse sees it when they anger them, right? Maybe a child sees it, like, when they anger them. Maybe a boss sees it, right, when they disrespect them. Certain, like, so those are things that we really, I try to, like, hit home, especially for the men, and let them know that, hey, it's okay. It's okay to be stressed. It's okay to be anxious. It's okay to be sad. Yeah, it's totally normal. If you haven't been through anything in life that has affected you mentally, like, technically, you're the abnormal one because most people mm-hmm. have been through something that's affected them <laughs> mentally. So everybody's always like, I'm not crazy. Like, you're crazy. There's nothing that's happened to you that hasn't affected you mentally. And you mm-hmm. have to be open and honest with us to have these conversations because if we don't know um, you may come in with high blood pressure and we're thinking like, oh, it's tied to something else, but you may have some added stress at home that we don't know about. And you have to be open and let us know. And we won't, if you find a good doctor, they won't be judgmental and have a good conversation with you back and forth. Um, if someone like comes, comes to see you with anxiety or depression, like they reporting that to you, do you kind of refer them to a psychiatrist, a therapist, or do you try to handle it on your own? Well, a lot of times, especially you know, from an outpatient perspective, they don't really have the opportunity. I always say the primary care docs are usually like the frontline folks of, of mental health for a lot of people because they don't necessarily have the opportunity or even maybe sometimes even the means to go out and then go find a psychiatrist, psychologist, or more importantly, that and sometimes we still have to break this mental barrier, like the, the act of saying, oh, you need to go see a therapist is so triggering for them that they say like, now nah, I'm good. Like it, I had to work myself up just to come see you doc. Like now you're trying to make me go see a therapist. 
Like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm good on that. So, you know, I, you know, especially when I was doing outpatient medicine, I try to do as much as I can, understanding, like, all right, there's, there's only so much I can do here. Like, and, and then a lot of times my subsequent business are like, hey, you know what? You know, we kind of talked about this. I, I do think, you know, you might need someone more to talk to other than me. And we try to work on it. So it's like my goal is to try to get them to that, that, that mental health professional because that's what they do. Um, but a lot of times you do see them kind of stick with us from a primary care standpoint until they're ready to make that leap. Right. Unfortunately, we don't have the time or sometimes even the proper training to draw all of that mm-hmm. stuff out of you. You may have been dealing with stuff for 20, 30 years that ties back into stuff that you have repressed or you just didn't realize wasn't normal certain situations that you were living in. Like if you were in an abusive home that you may just thought that was normal, like, no, that's, that's not normal. And some of that may be affecting you as an adult. And so we have to get you to somebody who has the time to sit down and kind of draw those things out of you. Right. So as we kind of continue on screening exams for different age groups, so usually we start kind of prostate cancer screening at age 45 for our African-American males and start having colon cancer screening at that same age point, depending on your family history. But usually uh, males starting at 45. Specifically, how do you handle that prostate cancer screening? Because I know a lot of men are, are, are afraid of that or they've been told about the finger test. I've had one of my uh, your fellow guests, um, Dr. Milhouse on to discuss. Um, oh, we love, we love her. We love her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love her. So she's been on to, to discuss that, but I want to kind of hear from you. How do you approach those like prostate cancer and colon cancer screening discussions? So I think that that is where when I talk about this aspect of doctor patient relationship, this is where it's really formed. Right. This is when you get really close to uh, your patient and say, hey, you already know what time it is. Right. And I just, again, I just let them know, like, I, I'm first, I let them know, hey, this is serious. We need to do this. This is what's got to go down, right? It's a, like, even, for, even though for you it may feel like eternity, it's a quick progress. I just need to get in and out. And I always say, like, hey, remember, like, who you got to, to, to live for, right? You, you're you not going to be blaming me if in three, five years you got prostate cancer and you're like, oh, I should have caught it earlier. You're not going to blame me if in three to five years you got colon cancer. Oh, I should have caught it earlier. I say, no, we're going to get that pride right up out the door. Me and you are the best of buddies. We're about to be best friends uh, for like a minute or two. And then let me do my job. So I, I let them know. But it, it's like it, I say it jovially, but like that's where it really starts. When you got that doctor patient relationship, like they understand that, like, all right, this, we about to have a, a, a uncomfortable conversation that just got to be done. Um, but you can do that because you've done the work to earn their level of trust. So, but it's, but it's big, but I stress and tell them, I say, Hey, you know, especially for, especially again, black men, right. We know that when we get diagnosed with prostate cancer, we get diagnosed with later stage, which means we have less treatment options. We, we get diagnosed with colon cancer, really much majority of cancers that we typically get diagnosed with. We always get diagnosed at later stages. Why? Because we've been avoiding, 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 or we didn't really know what our family history was that would have keyed us to move that uh, scale, uh, time scale a little bit earlier. So that's why I implore, like, hey, we we're not gonna be, you know, statistic here, to here. Like, let's get this thing done. Let's get let's get you taken care of so you can live the rest of your life very happily. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's ha- it's tough having those conversations, but I let them know like, hey, risk versus reward. Sometimes we do the digital rectal exam, which is the finger test, but sometimes, most of the time, don't do it if you're not having any symptoms. But if you want me to do it, I say I'm I'm ready to go. I got I put my gloves on. Mm-hmm. It's gonna hurt you more than me, but we we just gonna knock this out just to make sure that you're that you're good overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Besides like checking um, prostates, colon cancer screening, what is some of the typical blood work that you order for patients? So usually the blood work, again, is usually standard. I say one of our most uh, inexpensive tests that tells us a lot is just the urinalysis, right? When you go to pee in that cup, right? Because just that test alone, I can tell you if you're dehydrated, I can tell if you got diabetes, I can tell you if you got some kidney dysfunction, like there's a lot of things I can tell you if you got blood in your urine. There's so many different things just from that inefficient test alone. So I love the urinalysis. It's very quick. It's very cheap, but it has so much information that we can tell just from that strip of tests. And then when we talk about some blood work that we typically do, especially for our annual visits, we have a, a CBC. So that gives us an idea of like, all right, is there any infectious process going on? Is there any process with your actual blood-related uh, diseases or even blood-related cancers that we may be able to pick up? Like, I can obviously, I can even tell if you're a big, heavy smoker just based on some of those uh, lab findings that we can get in, reg- in our complete blood count. And I think our big one, I like to call the complete metabolic panel. That gives me, from an electrolyte standpoint, your potassium, your uh, chloride, your uh, sodium. Your, even your blood sugar, your glucose, right? A lot of different things. And obviously the, the kidney function are probably the biggest one, a part of that test. So just those three tests alone can give me a wide body range of testing to say, all right, what type of clinical picture is my patient in front of me at? And then we have some ancillary tests. A lot of people like checking, especially if you have a history of diabetes, we're going to check for diabetes. We can check for that with a hemoglobin A1C. And for my diabetic patients, that can tell me if you're a good liar or not. Because if you say your number's been controlled, and then I pull up that A1C and it says a different story, like then we got more discussion to, to have. Uh, we have thyroid tests. We have a lot of people with thyroid-related diseases. We take a thyroid test and because we know, especially me and you, we know that the thyroid being abnormal can cause so many other things to be abnormal, whether it be your cholesterol, whether it be your kidneys, whether it be uh, your electrolytes. So making sure your thyroid is in harmony with everything is, is important. And everything else, is, a lot of it is more maybe patient-specific depending on the disease process they got going on. Right. And some of the stuff age related to um, STD screening for the usually mm-hmm. 20, 35 year olds. But sometimes later on, people like just want to make sure they're OK and then change up the guidelines of making sure that everyone gets screened for hepatitis C at least once in their life. Yep. But like I kind of mentioned earlier, the peak behind the curtain, some labs may not be covered by insurance. Sometimes people come in and they want to tell me like, oh, I want to get my vitamin D level checked or I want to get all my vitamins checked. Like which one? All of them. Do you know how many vitamins there are? I I don't know all of them, but your insurance (laughs) may not cover all of those extra tests. And usually we as physicians are not informed on how much that may cost you out of pocket to do. So that might be something that you might have to do research on your own. Okay. If I want to 
for example, like a lot of guys come and see us during the physical, having erectile dysfunction. I want to get my testosterone level checked. Like, okay, that's totally fine. It's just me putting in an order. But don't be surprised if you get a bill from your insurance saying that it's not covered. So that's just something for my listeners to look out for certain things that may not be covered. Well, Dr. Randy, how do I find out if it's covered? You call your insurance company. You call them. You figure out what labs that they cover during an annual physical. That's the simplest thing that you can do. So as we kind of wrap up, lasting words of wisdom that you want to give out for my male listeners and for their family members who are listening who may share their information about having a physical. Sure. So I, I think especially for, for especially for especially for the male listeners, understanding that this is not a scary visit. This is not a scary visit, even though we we've kind of went through kind of the battery of things we do for our like again, I call it our Super Bowl as well. We go through a Super Bowl of things, but it really it's because we want to take care of you. And, and this is that visit where that doctor patient relationship becomes formed, becomes solidified. So come, 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 leave that pride to the side, like Mm -hmm. leave that, don't even bring it in the car, leave that pride to the side, you know, be truthful, understanding that uh, we're doing it because we care for you. Um, And a lot of times, like when, especially for my male, my my male audience, when they were coming in to see me, a lot of times they had like a significant other or a family member who would like bring them to the office because they knew if it was just to their own accord, they weren't coming. Right. So and so shout out to those people. Right. Especially for uh, the spouses, the sisters, uh, the aunts, the moms who may be bringing, you know, the, the brother, the son, the uncle, the husband, the cousin, whatever to the office. You know, thank you guys, because a lot of times just being there, being of support in that background is enough to get us to go to uh, you our uh, annual visits. Right. Because, again, you know, we're Superman. Uh, nothing's wrong with us. Not, you know. You know, get out of that level of ignorance of assuming nothing is wrong with you until you confirm nothing is wrong with you. Yeah. And go, get, go get your annual visit ASAP. ASAP. A-S-A-P. Shout out to T.I. But women and family members, you are very important to your man's health, your dad's health, your brother's mm-hmm. health. A lot of times when males come in to see me and they haven't seen anyone in a while, I say, who dragged you in here? Oh, well, my wife set up the appointment. My mom set up the appointment. So we just want to recognize y'all and let y'all know that y'all doing a good job. Keep pestering them. And yes, and making sure that they go to the doctor's office. And so final thing, we talked about the Super Bowl, but now we're going into overtime. So in overtime, I always ask everyone Randy's random questions. Are you ready, Dr. Berry? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. So question number one. So if you had to star in any black movie, which movie would you want to be in? You could be in Life. You could be in Harlem Nights. I don't know Ooh. if you wanted to be in Get Out. Like, you pick. I don't, maybe not Get, get Out. Get Out for your Get Out, Get Out for <laughs> But if you had to be the star oh, of any black movie, which movie would that oh. be and why? I, I feel like, I feel like uh, and again, you know, rest in peace uh uh, Chai Boseman. I, I feel like I'd, I'd feel like I'd kill it as Black Panther. Like I feel like okay. I would kill it. either Black Panther or even even though like it ain't considered black, but even Blade, like like Wesley Snipes was in it. So like, sh- shout out to. I just want to be. Okay. I want to be an action hero. I want to save the life. That's that's why I came to be a doctor. I want to save some folks. 
Okay, that's what's up. I wasn't thinking of Blade tip, but yeah, yeah. Blade, Blade, he definitely killed it. I'm looking forward to the next Blade movie. So. Indeed. Indeed. Yes, yes. Yeah, they they out here shooting in Atlanta. Um, I might try to be an extra or something. So if y'all see me in that movie, be like, oh, that's Dr. Randy. Like, yeah, that's me. I'm standing in for Blade, stunt double. <laughs> <laughs> so question number two. What does it mean to empower yourself for better health? Yes. So I think one of the biggest aspects of just healthcare in and of itself is that it's really a two way street. And I think sometimes the onus responsibility gets put on the physicians and the healthcare workers to kind of do the work, to do the heavy lifted. And I always stress, especially to my patients and the lunch and learning community, like, nah, like we're here to kind of give you the knowledge but you got to take it and run with it. So that's why it's about empowering yourself with better health. Because if you do better for you, right? If you're listening to Dr. Randy and you're you're taking notes, which you should have been taking notes. If you're taking notes, you're getting game. And then you go to see your doctor. Guess what? You done empowered yourself with knowledge that you may not have had before. So that's why it's about empowering yourself with better health. Because we know that like me and Dr. Randy, we could talk all day. We do this easily. We could talk all day about this. But it's when you get to the point where you're like, no, no, no. Dr. Randy said, like, you know, especially get, get that pride out to the side. Dr. Randy's that is when it takes it to the next level. And you really start looking at yourself uh, to be a better youth, for, especially from a health standpoint. Right. Good job. So we're going to let you off the hot seat. Um, give out your social media handles. How do people find you? Where do they listen to you at for the Lunch and Learn lecture series and your podcast? So one again, first of all, shout out to Dr. Rainey for having me on the show. I appreciate you, um, especially I love my fellow physician podcasters. Right, it's it just one thing because like I understand that we don't have to do this, like we don't got to do this. We do it because we love doing it. So again, shout out to Dr. Rainey first and foremost. I'm Dr. Barry Pierre. I'm available on all social media platforms at Dr. Barry Pierre. All you know, one word. DrBarryPierre.com is my official website. Um, and I have my own podcast, The Lunch and Learn, with Dr. Barry. And guess what? We'd be talking about stuff like this as well, too. So, again, Dr. Randy, I appreciate you for having me on the show. If you want to follow me, like I said, uh, my most active uh, social media platforms are probably Instagram and TikTok. Um, and then followed by maybe some YouTube. Go go, go follow me everywhere. Wherever you do, just get your knowledge and get it right, and then take it back to your doctor to get you better. All right. That sounds good. You're not dancing on TikTok, are you? No, 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 no. <laughs> when, first, when I first got out, to, like, mind you, I treat my social media, I treat social media stuff like a real estate anyway. So anytime some new social media platform go, I just, I just log in, snatch my username, and just kind of leave it. So I had TikTok there just kind of just sitting for like probably a year or so. And then eventually I just got so fed up with the level of misinformation that was out there that I said, all right, like I, I, if I know they going crazy with the disinformation on Instagram and crazy with the disinformation on um, Facebook and crazy with disinformation on Twitter, I know they're doing it on TikTok. So I just say, hey, let me go on TikTok. You're not going to get no dance from me. Right. Like I may talk with some 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 music playing in the background, but like that's about it. No, no dancing here. I, I don't want to embarrass myself. All right. We're going to see you Millie rocking on TikTok in a couple of weeks. So y'all make sure to go follow him on all his social media platforms. But thanks for being on, Dr. Beery. I appreciate you. Thank you.
We learned a lot on this episode. I hope you did. If you didn't, you need to go back and listen. There's a lot of good tips in there. So go back and re-listen, get you a pen and paper, take some notes. But I hope you really learned something. Thanks, Dr. Beard, for being on. You healthy listeners, make sure you go follow him on social media and make sure you go listen to his podcast, Lunch and Learn with Dr. Beard. It's, it's very informative and very engaging as far as having you think about things later on. And be sure to follow me on social media at underscore Dr. Randy on IG, Twitter, and TikTok. Check out my YouTube channel as well. You can see this episode with me and Dr. Barry on YouTube. Just search for On Call with Dr. Randy on YouTube. And be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. Have a great new year. And as always, stay healthy physically and mentally. Music.